Hey, Elliot. Uh, Elliot? Hey, hey, Elliot. Oh, that's right. Uh, I recorded this interview way back in April before Elliot and I had even started this podcast. This was originally intended to be an interview on the My First Dungeon feed, but it feels more appropriate here now. So you'll just be hearing me on this one. Okay, on to the show. Today, I am joined by a pillar of the tabletop role-playing game community. He is a game designer, author, and podcaster. You would likely know him from his award-winning Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast actual play series, or more likely, his Emmy-nominated, long-running podcast, Party of One, where he has played literally hundreds of one-on-one games over the past seven years. He is a wealth of knowledge and, you know, just an all-around good guy to boot. Please welcome to the show, Jeff Stormer. How's it going, man? Hello, I'm happy to be here. I'm doing good. I, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I, I, I this is I, I always enjoy getting to sit down and talk about this stuff. This is a this is this is part of the joy of making the thing. It is really great. And I also especially love talking to other podcasters because we can wallow together in some of our own little like, you know, it, grievances that we like, have to settle. I'm the only like I I am I am uh, a a podcaster by day job and also podcaster by night job so mm-hmm. like this is my chance to actually talk and like I'm the only I am the podcaster at my job so like this is my chance to talk like work with my peers and like I look greatly forward to this we we'll 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 commiserate we'll talk about tabletop we'll do all of that all I'm that looking and forward more. to it. So, uh, Jeff, we've uh, this is our first meeting, so I'd love to learn just a little bit about you. And one of the first questions I like to always ask people is, how did you get into tabletop role-playing? Uh, I got into tabletop role-playing in a very strange and backwards way. I, um, I have, I, but, uh, video games have been part of my life as long as I can remember. Like, the earliest memories are playing the Nintendo in my the basement of the first house that we lived in. We moved mm-hmm. around a lot, and... I remember distinctly loving video game role-playing games. I was a huge fan of Dragon Warrior, not to date myself too much by naming that particular game. But yeah, like I, I loved I loved video game role-playing games. You know, my brothers and I all loved like Chrono Trigger. Like it was mm-hmm. a thing that was part of our lives. And then when I was about 10 years old, I like my brothers and I found a book at a yard sale that we assumed was like a guidebook for a video game. Mm-hmm. Because it was called Middle Earth Role Playing, which was a 1990s uh, tabletop role playing game for the Lord of the Rings. Uh, we bought it because it was cheap and it was at a yard sale. Sure. We read it. None of us understood what we were reading because it was a 1990s role master based <laughs> role playing game. And we were all between 10 and 12, like 8 and 12. And we're like, I don't I don't know what I'm doing with this. Uh, but it wormed its way into my brain, and now, almost 30 years later, here I am uh, making this my career. It's amazing that I don't think I've had someone on this podcast who, when I asked them the question, how'd you get into tabletop role-playing, has said, like, oh, yeah, buddy invited me to a D&D game. There's always, like, backward ways that people fall into this it's, hobby. It's such a strange hobby. It's Like, it, it truly is one like such a strange hobby where, like, there is there is so like it, so rarely is the obvious way in the way that we come in like there's a front door yeah. and very rarely does anyone walk through that it's always like well i climbed in the third story window 
And I looked around and said, well, I guess I'm on the third floor now. Which feels really fitting as well for tabletop roleplay. Like, if you're playing a game of Dungeons & Dragons or something, no one's going in the front door. That's true. That's <laughs> they're, true. They're going that's in the a, side a, door. They're talking to the bartender. You're exactly right. Actually, my, a question I have on that. Have you since played that game? Have you, like, picked it back up anytime recently? I make it a tradition to read through the game once a year to oh, see yeah? if I see if I fully understand it. And like I have like tried some solo games of it just to like get my head around the rules. Mm-hmm. It's a strange like it's a it's a very 1992 role playing game is okay. how I would describe it. Like there's some really interesting stuff in it. Like it's doing some things that are honestly kind of ahead of its time. Like there's some really interesting touches around like making your characters like distinct and unique within the world of middle earth. And like it's playing with like narrative beats and kind of ways that like are interesting for the time period. But it is, I mean, it's a lot of D hundred rolls and critical hit <laughs> tables and hits, hits, wounds and other things are all different measurable stats. Like it's a, it's a rough game, and it's especially rough. Like I'm, I'm in my 30s, and I'm like, I mostly understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that people like publish those, and, and they were played back. Like everything's gotten very streamlined these days, I guess. Oh yeah, it's amazing that those existed and were so popular even back then. It's wild to me. Like it, it truly like shows you that like there's a there's a there's a perseverance to the to the nature of like. <laughs> creating your art when you just go back and look at some of these things and you're like this was truly you can feel that this was someone's like passion project Mm -hmm. and that this was someone's like i am going to fix dungeons and dragons like i am going to fix it and this is my thesis statement on how we can rebuild it by hook or by crook it will be fixed and that's such an interest and like truly like reading that like even if i even if i think the thing is not very good like i will read a thing and be like i at least appreciate that somebody sat down and was like this is my this is my my this is my masterwork like this is my this is my statement in the world i fucking love that i i haven't i've only played as far as like D or like uh older games i've the, the latest game i've played is like fifth edition dungeons and dragons everything else has been like a lot of new newer things mm-hmm. right i really need to go back and play like first or second edition or play something that was released in like the 70s or 80s 70s games know. are fascinating. I think that there's a lot of really cool stuff. Like I, I, I am a big, I am a big. I do like a lot of like OSR old school style stuff. Yeah, I've, I've never tried any of those. Like, there's cool stuff there if you are in, keyed into like the particular theme that they are playing in, which I, mm-hmm. uh, which I like do acknowledge. Like, is a ton of fun when I like sit down with it. But like. I love, I, there's a lot of 70s, like, post-war game stuff that I think is really just, like, fun and grimy and cool. And then there's genuinely, like, there's just cool, weird stuff scattered throughout the early, like, decades that I think is just, is is a ton of fun to kind of, like, flip through. I do want to get into some, because you've played so many games, I feel like I've got to get some suggestions th- from you as we go. I'm curious for me. If I want to play a 70s game or like a 70s or 80s game or something that is like, give me some like hard crunch. I want to feel the pain of like people who play these in the 70s. <sighs> I mean, I got it. It's like, 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 like the, the, I mean, Traveler is, is, 
Traveler? Extremely like Traveler is a 70s sci-fi role-playing game that has been updated several times and it's very famous because you can die in character creation, which is also which is <laughs> delightful. <laughs> You often make characters that are barely like you make characters that are barely functional. You start out the game in a like, I don't know if it's intentional, if it's like an intentional commentary on capitalism on the part of the designers of Traveler that you start the game in an untenable amount of debt (gasps) nine times out of ten and are like (laughs) taking on desperation jobs to try and claw yourself out of an economic hellscape like that's like that's 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 very 1970s and that's very and like i like a lot of those things a lot i don't know if thematically i don't know if thematically like they were going for it but they hit on some themes that speak a lot to jeff stormer in 2023 i fucking love that i i I was just watching some video this is totally unrelated but some video came up on instagram and it was like a kind of an America's Funniest Home Videos thing from like the 70s when someone was, uh, they made a, like a Domino's Tower in Mm -hmm. a blockbuster, like all around the blockbuster, but with like the empty VHS tape boxes. Right. And it was like thousands of these things. And I watched this like three minute long video of this whole thing going. And at the end, I had a very visceral thought of like, these guys did this for fun like 40 years ago, having no idea this would like bring joy to a guy in 2023. In the same way that, like, people who are making games in the 70s, like, probably didn't really have a concept that, like, their things would still be relevant and still be enjoyed 40, 50 years later. Yeah, I think that I, 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 there's, there's something truly beautiful about that. And, like, that's one of the things that I love about, like, small, weird pieces of art is, like, when someone finds that like when someone finds that finds that like finds a piece of art and it like connects with them like there's something truly beautiful about it when it is just like a small thing that someone made because they desperately needed to make a piece of art like Mm -hmm. that to me is like a core piece of like why i i why i seek art out why i make art like there's just something beautiful about like that on a fundamental level for sure and I feel like stuff like that, when you find those like little hidden gems, they're so hard to find. Like they're not going to be on in any like listicle. You'll just like find them and, and then they become a part of you. stumble across them and it's a truly like, and like that's part of what makes, part of what adds to the magic of it is like when you, when you stumble across, like there's like, cause that, that ad, it creates this feeling of like, it's like we were talking about the third story window. Like you find a thing that feels like mm-hmm. you weren't supposed to find it. Like you were never supposed to see it. And like th- that, that adds so much to the experience of like going through the art is when you're, when there's this feeling of like, like I am looking at something that I am looking at something that is like secret and special and specific to me. I love that kind of stuff. Now I've got I've got to think of a good example of something that I've found in that way. I'll I'll think on it and we'll come back to it. I mean there's a uh I mean there's a party there's a party of one example that is legitimately the best somebody found a role playing game story that I've ever experienced. Oh okay, what's that? It's an episode that I often recommend to people who uh are checking out the show for the first time. It's my favorite episode title of any podcast that I've ever created. Okay. The episode title is I want to it's episode 311. I remember this because I laugh a lot about this about an episode that references a lot of bad 90s music also being named 311. Hell yeah. It is 
uh, the My Little Pony RPG Alex Perlman found in his house when he moved in. Whoa. My friend bought a, a house and he moved into it. And as he was cleaning out his house, as he was cleaning out his new house, he was cleaning off one of the bookshelves and found a piece of paper on it. And on it were two were like the two pages of rules that went into like a mid 2000s My Little Pony fan RPG. Oh, my God. What a fucking find. That's like finding the secret safe in your floor or something. For, right. For and role like, playing. He, like and, and we we both laughed about it because he said like he said it to me and I agreed like he was like. I am one of maybe see he like his exact words. He was like, I'm one of maybe six people that were going to find this. Right. And ever. understand what I'm looking at. And then sure enough, he also happened to have a friend who produced an actual play podcast that was willing to play a strange My Little Pony game that he found in his that he found in his attic. So we sat down and we played it. The thing that that's reminding me of, I don't know if you remember these, but there was there was a time when cereal boxes like Captain Crunch and stuff started putting video games as like the prize. It'd be mm-hmm. like a CD with like a shitty Captain Crunch game or something. Yep. Those games fucking slapped. We didn't have a lot of like video games or like computer games in my house. We had like the pre-installed ones and right. then like you'd rent some from the library like Spy Fox or something. And then we had those like cereal box games and like the checks game and the Captain Crunch game fucking slapped. And like I'll never find those again. They're so much fun. There's like, yeah, that's um, and I mean, the this is a there's a genuinely uh fascinating thread layer that like that like the have you ever heard about the or or people have talked about rather the the how the those games connect to a hugely important thread of like games archival and like preservation efforts no so it's super fascinating and it's 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 a it's a this is this is wildly off topic and we're, so we we're way to off the- <laughs> topic right now, but we're we're doing it. We're gonna see we're gonna see how we get back to the main thread. We'll we'll tie it's it back around in a moment, but like um there's a there, there's that those things are a fascinating example of like the challenges of modern media preservation because so much of media preservation efforts are done by corporations they're done by like nintendo games are preserved by nintendo mm-hmm. and if you are a third party like preserving nintendo games you are very likely to get hit with a cease and desist or sued by nintendo but the problem is that means that nintendo is only preserving the games that they are like financially they are they they believe they can turn a profit on so there is entire generations of games that like are not preserved in that way mm-hmm so like all of your weird, your weird cereal box games and like kind of bad but wonderful and weird little like licensed games that nobody was really like putting thought into like that's all becoming lost media in a way that like feels like in the world that we live in shouldn't be possible. But there's this entire wave of like late period electronic lost media because of like the way that law intersects with digital archiving and preservation. That's fucking wild. It is a rabbit hole that I fell down and I can't, and like I, it, it is an, obs- it, it's become an obsession of mine. And here's how we bring it back around. I hit me. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. This is one of the reasons why I feel like playing games and like recording them and cataloging them is a really important thing because 
games are also a, a field that has had like a tremendous history of to the point of, you know, finding a My Little Pony RPG in your attic. Like they are a field that is also very prone to lost media because a game gets printed 10 times nobody buys it and it goes into a shredder and like that was somebody's beautiful masterpiece work and like right i think there is a beauty in the various forms of like games archiving and preservation that is like modern media stuff around tabletop games i literally as we were talking about this i wrote down on my notepad next to me party of one as an archival you know source because you you really are like putting so many of these games that are not they're not the big mainstream games. These are the, a lot, like, I'm, I'm scrolling through your list, and I, f- I think I'm a fairly, you know, competent person. I think I'm fairly in the loop, and I look through some of these games, and I've never heard of a good chunk of these. And I'm just like, what is this? What is this? What is this? What is this? That is that is legitimately some of the best feedback I can get, because, like, I wanted, I've always wanted the show to be a showcase for game, like, a showcase for what games can be, and that often means playing games that, like, are interesting and outside of the the wider purview and like being able to put to show them off and like highlight them is is an incredibly gratifying feeling it is also fun like smaller games like that usually do a thing that i think some of the best games do is that they choose to do one thing yeah absolutely 100 percent. and they do that one thing amazingly well i i we, we played 10 candles recently and I think Ten Candles is one of like the best written books it's for tabletop role playing. It's, it's it's art. I mean, it, it is a beautiful piece of art. Phenomenal. And to your point, like it tell it you play Ten Candles because you want to tell one very specific experience. Like there is a hyper specific story that like that you like a hyper specific emotional story experience, yeah. like a play experience that you are going through when you play Ten Candles, and like that is. A be- like that kind of specificity like the older I get and the more games I play the more I crave that kind of specificity because I want to be pushed into a very specific place and like feel that and a game that is like this is what we're doing we're not doing anything else is beautiful like it's a beautiful thing yeah and, and games that are trying to do more broad like you know your D&D your Pathfinder even something like Call of Cthulhu, which still has a pretty specific idea, they're trying to do a lot. So if you're trying to tell a very specific story, there's a lot of different tools that you're not going to use. Whereas Ten Candles or like Wander Home or mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking at my shelf Fiasco or something, they're trying to do that one thing. All of the tools in that book are geared towards getting you to that one point. And so like everyone from the players to the game master is absolutely supported because Every single decision that's being made in this book is to get you to that one place rather than get you to a general vicinity near that place. And I think that stuff is just fucking phenomenal. I mean, absolutely. Like it gets at the art of it gets at the art of games and play for me is like to be able to say, like, this is my statement. This is what I am. This is what I am saying. This is what I feel. This is what I want to convey I think the high level way that I would say it is like the the deeper that I get into games as art, the more I want art that makes a specific statement and I want to experience something in specific and a game that like really narrows in on something like captures that in a really beautiful way. Yeah, I totally agree. One of our most recent seasons, we played a game that I wrote. It was a, a kind of a one page RPG. It wasn't one page, but it was like kind of in the vein of one page RPGs. 
uh, called Schrodinger's Cats. And it was a, like, you play as cats, but you've got, like, quantum powers. So it's a little bit mm-hmm. like Honey Heist type thing. And I wrote it, and my and we, we, we played, uh, the first time we ever played Test, it was live on mic, so that was very fun. Fun and, and nerve-wracking. But my biggest worry was that I came at it from, like, a very mechanical standpoint. Like, I came, I came up with the mechanics, but I didn't necessarily know what the, like, what's the tone? What's the story I'm shooting for? And every time something, like, failed or didn't work as well as I wanted to while we were playtesting, I could pretty much always draw it back to the point of, I don't necessarily know what I'm trying to say with this game. Right, I know there absolutely. are, like, mechanics that work, but I don't know what it's trying to be. One of the one of the things that I I, I uh, my dear friend Brandon Leon Gambetta, who is the podcaster and the designer of Passione de Las Passiones, which is oh, one of my yeah. favorite games. Brandon uh, has talked a lot about designing PBTA, and he's always like, "That's the first. That's like the first or second thing that you really that, that he suggests doing is like he calls it finding the true heart of your game." And I think that finding that true heart, like, is you can tell when a game has found its true heart. You can tell when a game like knows exactly what it's really saying under the surface. And I think that is an inspiring, gorgeous thing. Yeah, it is one of those things. What's the, from the congressional hearing about pornography? Uh, I can't describe it, but, what, but I know it when I see but it. You know, when you see it. Yeah. yeah. When you see it, it's so apparent. hundred percent. And it's, it's, you know, the, the, the it's really a, a pain to have a thing that I've written and be like, I know this isn't it. And I don't quite know how to get there, but I know I know what it will look like when it is there. I just got to figure 100%. out the path to get there. So, so uh, the main topic we we wanted to discuss today, and we're slowly finding our way towards it. I think we landed back on the topic in an incredibly graceful way, and I do. I want to take a moment to just say, "Hey, we did it. We got there. We did it. <laughs> we, we got through it through roundabouts and back alleys. We found our way back onto the main thoroughfare, which is helping game masters find and learn new games." And I think we've already like touched on this on what a good game is. I mean, and I think like at a high level, like if I had to like put like a formal, you know, it's very, it's very much like I'll know it when I see it situation. But like, I I think that the that my my go to thought would be like, any game can truly be like a good game if it is the right thing for where you are and your group are like at that moment. But finding the game that like genuinely. In whatever capacity you need it to will, like, help you, you know, have the play experience that you want will make like like that is a it is a a, a wonderful thing to be able to find. And it is absolutely like a skill that, you know, you have to know where to look and know what to what you're looking for. So I guess on that, for people who don't yet have that skill, for people who've never played tabletop role playing games or have just played D&D or just Call of Cthulhu or something. Where should they be looking for new games and what should they be looking out for? That is a genuinely great. So the the first thing that I would suggest, if you are someone that has played D&D or has played Call of Cthulhu or has played like uh, like a game and you're like, I want to find something new and interesting. I mean, I think that the first thing that I would suggest truly is like. Look inward, fix, look inward, <laughs> fix your heart is what I would say. No, like, um, like talk to your group, talk, think about it yourself. And like knowing what you're looking for is, I think one of the most powerful, like ways to find the thing that you're looking for. Like think about your, your time playing the game that you've played and be like, okay, I like this. I'm looking for something that's different in this way. Because it's because it's easy to say like oh I'm looking for something different I would love a game that is crunchier but that can mean a lot of different things like 
That can mean that character creation is more complicated. That can mean that there's more rules in combat. That can mean that there's more rules outside of combat. That can mean that, you know, that it's that it's using those mechanics to tell like a hyper different story. If I'm looking for if I'm like, oh, I want a game that's like got like a specific story to it, that's got like a specific narrative to it. Like that's that's like, you know, I, I, I could think that. But if I'm really if what I'm really thinking is I want something that is going to like that is going to tell a specific story, but I want a specific story about, you know, heroes kicking ass and taking names and I end up picking up 10 candles like 10 candles is a beautifully written and designed game. I'm going to have a terrible time with it. Like I'm going to have a bad experience and like it is the 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 best thing that you can do with the first first step you can take is to truly and honestly with no like shame second guessing or hesitation say this is actually what i would like in a different game though i do think a superhero 10 candles module sounds awesome that sounds uh fascinating (laughs) and i would love to play that game i i'd love to play that game there's a lot of games that i've played that like were beautiful life-changing experiences and i'm grateful to have gotten to play them one time yeah like (laughs) That's like fair. there is a like there's a there's a mindset around games which is like oh I played every week for ten years and I'm like there are some games where I played once and I'm like all right I don't need to go back to that right but like I but I recognize that it shook me to my core and I feel like I've lived a better life for having played it but you can't make me go through that experience a second time <laughs> and that's fine sometimes it's a one and done you're gonna get that perfect story you hold it in your heart right. forever. And you put the book on the shelf and give it to someone else when they when they ask what it is. Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, but as for like finding the act, like once you know what you're looking for, finding things is a lot easier. There are like a few marketplaces that I, I that are not always the easiest to look through, but at least are like centralized places where you can find games and game stories like itch.io is a marketplace specifically for or a marketplace that is like. Uh, that has become largely adopted by, you know, indie games, self-published games, uh, newer creators. Uh, there's a lot of, like, individual marketplaces. And the physical game section in the last two years has uh, become, like, a hotbed of, like, indie RPGs. And that is always that is always the first place that I go looking if I'm looking for a specific game. Uh, there's also Drive Through RPG, which is a larger marketplace of games. It is um, l- much longer established. It is run by the same company that runs the D and D DMs Guild for third party content. It's their like indie games arm. It is a lot. There's a lot more stuff on there. It's a little bit harder to search sometimes, and the web design on the actual storefront is candidly not as intuitive. It's not the best. But like they, it is like a long established, it is a long established marketplace. And those are like two of the big marketplaces that I will go and like search for. If we had had this interview a year ago, <laughs> I would say Twitter was be, would actually be a pretty good place. Like once you start following game designers and creators and like keeping an ear to the ground, like you will eventually like hear about some cool, interesting games. Mm-hmm. Not as true in 2023. Um, and that has become a lot like more fragmented. Like 
I, I've there are designers that I follow on Tumblr. There are designers that I follow on co-host. There are designers that I still follow on Twitter. Like mm-hmm. it has become a lot more scattered. So finding things via social is like a much harder experience. Um, I also candidly like I recommend like following actual play productions, following, you know, streams and there are content creators making like more journalistic content or like showcase content Mm -hmm. uh that are doing really wonderful work there's uh people like uh, sam lee uh goblin mixtape on tiktok and twitter sam is incredible um there's uh philippa mort like there's a lot of people doing like really wonderful like showing off work and i think those are some of the best i think that like those are also some of the best ways to find new games just because like People have made it their mission to show off new games. Like, there are people, like, it is uh, one of those wonderful things where, like, even if you don't have the skill in finding a thing, there are people who have made it their job to have that skill and share it with people. That is the thing I'll say about the tabletop community in general. And while it tabletop social media can be, like, an iffy place sometimes, Mm -hmm. but at its core, it is a community that supports members of the community and uplifts members of the community. And like, that's the reason why, you know, something like part of the reason why like worlds beyond number became like a top 10 Patreon in like five days is because this community is very supportive of things. I mean, it has a famous cast and stuff, but that's true of a lot of things. This community is particularly vocal and vehement about supporting games, supporting each other and people like Sam who act as curators and and mouthpieces and cheerleaders for like great games and great things that are happening are not necessarily few and far between like they are in other communities. There's a lot of people who are like very actively saying, here's what's great. Look at how exciting this is. Look at this cool yeah. thing that's happening here. And especially, you know, coming off of Zine Month in February, which this is the first year that I was, you know, super involved in that. I was amazed at how many things come out how supportive the community was and how and honestly just how much cool stuff was being made oh yeah absolutely i think it is like an even zine month existing right like it is a yeah it was a i mean zine month as at its core was a one month community led project that that was born out of hey like uh we we are feeling we are feeling let down on multiple levels by like an institutional effort and the number of people that like uh, stepped up to offer their time and expertise to say like, Hey, like I am here to support you and the art. Like that's a, that's a cool and beautiful thing. And I think like you truly love to see it is, is really all I can say about it. You really do. So as, as much as I can sometimes feel negatively towards some of the like vitriol that happens in like tabletop Twitter, I do love the space because of how positive it is. And also, you know, this is true for kind of anything in the internet. Once you decide what kind of game experience you want, the internet is a big fucking place. Oh, absolutely. That game is out there. Not only that, there's probably like 10 of those games out there and at least one of them is pretty damn good. And and like and and the nice thing is like as an, uh, someone else who also gets uh, a little bit of vitriol about things from time to time, I've been known to 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 be a little salty at moments of my life. I recognize this. <laughs> And it goes back to what we like, it also goes back to what we were saying earlier, right? Like that idea that like so much of art is like, and you see a lot of this in like modern indie game design where like so many things are 
one person making something because they truly feel like it's a statement that they need to make. And like, Mm -hmm. to me, there is something beautiful about if I go and find like an, like an indie game that that designer is probably just like a person that like, you could just like write a nice message to and be like, Hey, I played your game and really enjoyed it. And like, that will legitimately make their day like that. Like some of the interactions I've had where I've been like, yeah, I played this game, like, not even for, like, uh, not even for the show or for art or anything. Like, I just played it because it was in the, I was in the mood for a game and it fit the bill. And then getting a message that was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that. Like, this, I'm so proud of this game. Like, I didn't think anyone was ever going to play it. Like, I released it into the void and no one's ever talked about it. Like, that to me is a pretty genuinely beautiful thing to be able to, like, Play a game, have it be perfect for you and have this amazing experience. And then also know that like the ability to find games that are truly just like something someone made is like a beautiful is for as many problems as I have with the 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 modern tabletop RPG space and industry like that element is a pretty cool and beautiful thing. I wasn't on Twitter for a very long time. I just got on recently because I wanted to, you know, more readily promote this show sure. and, and get involved in the community. And it's been a generally positive experience. I, I go through a, you know, negative spell every now and then. But one of the first things I did when I first got on Twitter, like a couple of years ago, I tried it for a minute and then got off it. I had just read a module in Arcadia. I think it was the first issue of Arcadia, the MCDM magazine called The Workshop Watches. And it was written by Leon. Oh, I'm going to forget their last name, Leon Borellian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope that's correct, Leon Borellian. And the module was so cool, I immediately worked into my like year-long home game, and it became like a central part of the story and stuff. And I I wrote to Leon on Twitter, I'm pretty sure on Twitter, saying like, hey, I played your module, it was so much fun, my players loved it, here's what they thought, all this stuff, just kind of putting it out into the world, and got an email back like the next day, like, oh, I'm so happy that you liked it and we chatted for for a minute or two and that was a very cool experience like i hadn't quite experienced that yet with something that i loved like being able to put out my positive emotions into the world and actually know that they're being received that's just a it's a cool like it's a cool thing like i it is genuinely like a cool little thing about the world that we live in it's great so i know we were talking about that finding new games is a lot about knowing what you want. Yes. But for people who maybe don't know what's out there or the, like knowing what you want is a very difficult thing to do sometimes. Right. One of the Absolutely. most difficult I think things in I think life. it's I think it's the most important part of the process and probably the hardest part of the process. Hey there, it's Elliot from the Many Sided Media team. In addition to playing and producing here on My First Dungeon, I'm also a game designer known for such games as Something is Wrong with the Chickens, a rules-like game of chickens, eldritch horror, and revenge. Project Echo, a solo time travel game played in the pages of a planner. And the upcoming Rom-Com Drama Bomb, a three-player game of meet-cutes and mayhem. If you like weird and unique games and want to bring something new to your table, head to moreblueberries.shop and use code MYFIRSTDUNGEON for 20% off your order. That's M-O-R-E-B-L-U-E-B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot shop. Thanks. So for someone out there who has either played D&D or played no tabletop games at all, Mm -hmm. 
they want to try something. Can you give me a couple of suggestions that you think would be good, good blanket games for people to check out? And like kind of who give me give me like some superlatives. Like who is this game good for? It, like what experience are you trying to capture with this game? Absolutely. A thing that I think is like a thing that I default to a lot because it's in part like how I take like how I've always historically taken in a lot of the world. And so like I have I I have found this helpful in like suggesting things to people is like I always kind of say, hey, like what's a thing that you're into? Like what is a, a, a movie that you like or a style of movie or a comic? Like what's a thing that you like? That is like a kind of story that you would want to like tell stories in that vein. And I think that like I have found often that like that is a helpful vein for helping people like put into words, hey, this is a thing that I like and would like to like explore. Because I think a big part for me, something that has been really helpful for me and something that I've 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 talked through people through before is like helping people understand that like you can be specific. It's something that I'm actually really proud of in the show is like, or something that I have come to really appreciate on the show is like, or on party of one specifically is being able to showcase not just individual weird games, but very specifically like games that are very specifically tailored, whether it like, whether because it was the designer playing it, or it's just somebody like a, a game that is directly up someone's alley, like being able to show off, Hey, this is like laser focused at you because there's only two people on the microphone like and I'm going to be on every episode so I'm fine playing whatever like being able to laser focus a game at somebody's preferences like I always think that that is one of the joys of the show and like a helpful thing in showing people that like you can be specific with this. It's it's actually one of my favorite interactions. It's a piece of praise that I've gotten from people who have been on the show is that I am admittedly very good at taking because I'm because I spend a lot of time like trying to find games. I a thing I love doing and I've gotten good at is taking people's suggestion and then going, hey, here's a game that is exactly this. One of my favorite examples was a game. Um, a dear, dear friend of mine, Alex, uh, Alex Flanagan, they and I were playing. We're going to like 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 play games together. And two things that I know about Alex, my dear friend, is that uh, he loves the films of David Lynch okay, and the 2019 film cats directed by Tom Hooper. These are two things that like, that like they and I love dearly. I'm very curious what game you found. <laughs> like, well, Finding, what game combines those two? Uh, there is a game called the angelical life, which is a Lynchian horror trip through a city of jellical cats. Wow. And the moment that I was able to be like, Hey buddy, Here's a David Lynch Cats game. Would you be interested in playing this for the show? Like that to me is like a highlight of my experience. <laughs> that that to me is what the show is all about is getting to like come to my friends with like a cool rock and be like, hey, here's a cool rock. This is all of the things you like, right? This is everything. Perfect. And I, I think that's a very good, a very good point to, to look at. If you have a very clear idea of what game you want to play, but you're thinking right now, no, that's not already out there. There's a David Lynch Jellicle Cats game. There's a David Lynch Cats game. Like, you're probably fine. The game is out there. I promise you, your thing is not weirder than that. There's no way. Three off the top of my head, broad 
things that like with that conversation in mind, right? Like you've right. never played a game. You've only played D&D. You just want to get an idea of what's out there. Three things off the top of my head that I think like I could point to and say, hey, are you into this? Is this a thing that you like? Cool. Here's a game that simulates it. Um, Two of them are powered by the apocalypse. I'm going to talk about I've got a third that I think fits well. One of them is I mentioned it before, but Passione de las Passiones. If you enjoy telenovela very specifically or more broadly, you know, soap opera, reality TV, weeknight dramas, like if those are things that you like, this is a game specifically about a fam. You play a telenovela and you play the family watching that telenovela on TV. It is a beautifully designed, wonderful game, but like. That's something that, like, a lot of people love, and it's something that I've, that, like, you know, one of the joys of your friend making a game and you getting to watch it succeed is watching people go, oh, yeah, I never thought I was going to like D&D because I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. I don't really, I'm not really interested in fantasy, but, like, I'll smash some, I'll smash some reality TV. Like, I'll binge some Below Deck. Right, right, right. And this is a game specifically about telenovela and soap opera. Like, that's amazing. I have been wanting to play that game for a while. It's on my list for for this show in the near future. I love it so much. I love it so much. A game that I played last night that I love with it is my genuine bar none favorite game, both because the topic is uh, one of the things that is the most close to my heart in the entire universe. And also, I think it is one of the best design games that I've ever played in my life. Okay. A thing that a lot of people like. There's a game called Worldwide Wrestling that is uh, my favorite role playing game. I love it. I love it with my entire heart. And like, if you are someone that enjoys big, big sweaty men's lap meat, this is a game about professional wrestling and about professional wrestlers. And it is a game where you play out a wrestling show complete with like, you know, heel turns and booking decisions and, you know, people getting injured in the ring and all of these things that make wrestling a beautiful art form that Jeff Stormer gets too emotional about. Like... (laughs) are wrapped up in this game that like yeah if you just like wrestling like that's a game that is the thing that you like there was a a period of time where i was me and like my three best friends growing up were passionately into wwe and this was like the heyday of this was like Rey mysterio was still big i'm still doing stuff john cena was like kind of just coming on the scene dx had like just come back I, I I can pinpoint exactly when this was. This is I I in my head I've got it I've got it laser focused. I still remember uh, we were sitting in a BW threes eating a bunch. We sat there for like four hours watching. I'm pretty sure it was SummerSlam, SummerSlam or Survivor Series, and it was the spot where DX, where um, Shawn Michaels, like uh, fuck, what's this kick called? Uh, the sweet chin music. Uh, Shawn Michaels backstage gave the sweet chin music to a random guy walking past. And then mm-hmm. yells at Triple H, see, I just kicked Stan. And we have said that to each other for years now. Stan became like a notable wrestler and is currently like a very big, uh, currently like really? a notable name on AEW. Like oh Stan, God, is, no way. Stan is currently wrestling on AEW. And that's one of my favorite little details. He is, oh God, what is his name? That's, I'm so happy about that. That made my whole day. He is, give me a second, what is his name? Um, Sean Spears. Sean Spears is an oh AEW wrestler who was Stan, who got super kicked. And it makes me very happy. Worldwide. So you've hit two out of, you've only given me two. So two for two are games that are definitely going to appear on this show in the near future. That makes me very, very happy. 
here's here's what I'll do. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge myself in this moment. What's another thing that you like? What's the thing I like? Let me look. Let me look around my apartment real quick. What do I like? <laughs> it's one of those questions where you're like, God, do I like things? What in my life have I ever enjoyed? I'm trying to think of like role playing things. I've never played any kind of like sci-fi. I love time. Like I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. There's a there's a 70s BBC show called The Prisoner that I'm obsessed with. Uh, I I also used to be a professional magician, so I like magic. But like I love sleight of I mean, hand. I'm I'm delighted to know this because I uh there is a game um there is a game by uh by CJ McCullough. There is a game called Magic and Mischief. Okay, which is uh very specifically. It's about stage magicians, but it's very specifically about stage magicians in context of a film that I dearly love with all of my heart, even as I recognize that it is not very good. It is very specifically a game about magicians doing crimes in the vein of Now You See Me and Now You See Me 2, which is the worst name for a movie that I've ever experienced. What they had Now You Don't. Why it's did right they there. Da- why? It, and if you just apparently like the story actually came out recently that the only reason they didn't do it was because they didn't want to put don't in a title. And I'm like, that's a terrible reason. Isn't like a pretty big movie. Don't look back like. Right. Like it was it's a bad it's a bad it's a bad reason. And they there was a bad decision backed by a bad reason. But uh, there is a game about magicians doing crime that is uh, magic and mischiefs. And that is a delight. There is also, I've definitely played, um, there is a game called, it's not explicitly uh, The Prisoner, but there is a game that is gorgeous and cool and weird. It is called uh, Lacuna. I might be pronounced, that's one of those, that's one of those I've only read it words, but it's called Lacuna, Lacuna Part 1, The Creation of the Mystery and the Girl from, and the Girl from Blue City. It is a sci-fi horror conspiracy game where you play like a special agent dispatched into the collective subconscious to like apprehend criminals, but you slowly uncover like the dark history, like the 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 dark reality of like the weird dream space that your organization has like drilled into. Whoa. Yeah. That is a game yeah, that's like it. that's and like the core mechanic of the game is tracking your heartbeat and like Oh. tracking your heartbeat as it ticks up like the like you yes. like to do things in the dream space like you can make anything happen but it costs a certain amount of, like your heartbeat goes up and the closer your heartbeat goes up the more you're in danger of like flatlining on a slab inception style yes it's cool it's a yes, neat game please. there's some wonderful recent games along that line like um specifically drawing there's a game that is in the works that I've read through and I adore, like, the, the mechanics of it are gorgeous. The art is some of the best art design I've seen in a game in a very long time. It is called Triangle Agency. It should It's currently, like, ramping up to their Kickstarter, but they have, like, their Delta edition out. And it's very, like, control-inspired, and it's very much in that vein of, like, you're an agent. Everything is fine. Don't look that way. Like, don't look to the left. Everything is fine. We promise everything is good. Please stick to doing your job. And, like, that is a gorgeous thing. Like, it's a, like there's just, there's a lot of games that, like, touch on that vibe that I think are, are, are just cool as hell. And, like, it's one of those things that, like, individual games rule, but, like, 
also the act of going like, oh, I like this. Oh, here's a game that's really specifically about this is cool as hell. Those games are reminding me a, a buddy of mine, friend of the show, Elliot Davis, a co-writer on the 27 newsletter with me, just crowdfunded a game called Project Echo. That's a, a solo journaling game that's about like... Oh, that's the one that's played through the 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 the, the, pro, the planner. The planner, right? yeah, 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 yeah. That's such a cool idea. That rules. When he told... We were sitting in a cafe and he told me about that and a couple other games that he has coming down the pipeline, which I, I can't talk about on this, but are also equally cool. He told me about that game and I'm actually like playtesting it right now. And that game hits so many of these same points of like... Right. I love like time travel and like time devouring stuff like you know i'm a big doctor who fan and this kind of hits mm-hmm. like all those things he's just finished writing the game he's like editing it and then come next month i'll be doing the layout for that game uh, and he'll be releasing it sometime in like june and i cannot wait for people to sit down and play this game because it is so fucking cool and it hits like it hits me in one of those places where like this is exactly the game i didn't know i wanted mm-hmm. and i'm really excited to actually like sit down and have it in front of me that that rules so that was two game, two games for the general audience. You gave me like three games just for me. Did you have a third game for the general D and D or no experience uh, audience? Um, I do, I do actually. I do have a game that like I I think is wonderful. I think there's a lot of great uh, examples of it. I am noting that all three of the like broad example games are powered by the apocalypse games. I note this because I do think that they just do pop culture styled things very well and that is always a good opening to a a, a gameplay experience but yeah. like masks is also just i mean masks is masks masks is, is like a modern masterpiece experience that is like if you like superhero comics if you specifically like teen superhero comics x-men teen titans mm-hmm. masks is as close to perfect for that genre as you can imagine i do have one more generalized game that i will recommend yeah hit me it is not a powered by the apocalypse game. A thing like a, a, an exact kind of thing that I would recommend that I think is one of the mo- one of the more beautiful games that I've ever played, and it has the benefit of also being a two player game specifically that like you can play with anybody if you want to have just like a beautiful kind of intimate game experience. It's a uh, it's perfect for playing with like a romantic partner on a date if that is a thing you'd be interested in doing. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna talk about Starcrossed because Starcrossed is a lovely, wonderful game that I will scream about till the end of time. I've heard about uh, this one. Starcrossed is a two player role playing game about two people who really, really want to and really, really shouldn't. <laughs> um, God, what a fucking a, tagline! They nailed that. One. It's the best tagline I've they ever heard. They nailed that. No notes. It is a, you play it with a tumbling woodblock tower that you have to refer to as such because the other name that you really want to use for it is copyrighted. Yep, yep, yep. And the way that it works is every time somebody does something to, I guess, flirt with or whether intentionally or otherwise flirt with the other person, like you are telling a story of these two people in this one dynamic who really, really want to and really, really shouldn't. And every time you inch up to that edge of like wanting to fall wanting to to embrace wanting to like make a move you pull a brick from the tower and your goal is to get through like eight interactions and pull as many bricks as possible but if the tower falls then then you have then you then you you make that move then like your care like you 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 describe what that looks like and the, the more of the game that is played out the better that is received and it is just a story about romantic tension and like 
If you are someone that loves a rom-com, if you are someone that loves a slow burn romance, if you are someone that loves like uh smutty fan fiction, like this is a game that is for that. And like, it is a perfect way. If you, if there is someone that you are like, I would like to like, if there is like, you can, you could play it with just two people. So it is easy to kind of sit down and dive into it. But again, that's one of those like, what do you like? Oh, you like romance stories? Here's a game that is like hyper specifically about romance stories, and it is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. Rom coms are my not even guilty pleasure. They are my true I pleasure. Love, I love a good rom com. I adore a good rom com. I think you've got Mail is one of my favorite movies. There's a great movie that's a little known rom com called Take Me Home. That's fantastic. It's like a kind of an indie rom com. And over the past Three days, I've watched both the 2005 and the 1995 miniseries of Pride and Prejudice. This is absolutely up my alley. <laughs> Have you ever seen a rom-com parody called They Came Together? I know the I know the movie. I've not watched it yet. It incredible. Like it is a, a a wonderful treat for fans of rom-coms. Like it is one of those. Like, it's one of those parodies that you can only really enjoy if you're like if. But it's clearly made with a lot of love for rom-com structure mm-hmm. specifically. And I love rom-coms. And, and just like straight up, uh, a movie I love is uh, Beyond the Lights. Whenever I'm like Beyond the Lights. a little bit bummed, I watch that movie and it like, it lifts my whole world up. It's, fun, it's making, phenomenal. I'm making a note of this. Oh, it's great. Uh, the lead actress in it absolutely kills it. Uh, it's the same woman uh, who's in San Junipero. Mm, yep okay got it that is definitely going to also be a game uh, that i play especially because as of recording this two days ago uh, i just got engaged to my girlfriend oh wonderful so now congratulations it, that's like a perfect time to do this that sounds like so much fun i also the first time i heard about dread which is the first tumbling block tower game i had heard of yep when someone told me like that was the game mechanic it truly like shattered my brain like i didn't know that that could be a thing i i was like Dice and tokens. I, I don't even think I was at tokens yet. I was just at dice. And that when someone told me that, I like fucking lost it. I think it's cool. I think it's like it's one of and it's a that's a perfect example of like showing you what games can be, right? Like it's saying, yeah. like, yeah, you've played games with dice, but like you can play a game with a tumbling woodblock tower. You can play a game with a deck of playing cards. You can play a game with unlimited soup salad and breadsticks at an Olive Garden mm-hmm. restaurant that's $9.99. It is so cool what's out there and all this, the cool stuff that people are doing, the interesting stuff that people are doing and trying these new games just opens up a whole fucking world of stuff that like hundred percent, you can certainly simulate all these things with something like Dungeons and Dragons if you really want to, or rather than having a multi-tool that kind of does what you want, you can just get the really fucking nice screwdriver that fits exactly yeah. in the hole that you want it to. hundred percent. As we kind of come to the end of this conversation, because I could absolutely talk to you all day about this stuff. So, we, you know, maybe we'll continue this again another day. When a game master picks up a new tabletop role playing game, they know what they want. They found it. What should they be focusing on so that that first session of that game is a success? Like, what should they be doing so that they have the highest likelihood of having a good game experience and like playing that game again and like trying out more and more new games? This is going to sound like a flippant non-answer. Okay. But I truly, but I mean it a hundred and a hundred thousand percent genuinely. And like, it is uh, honestly probably the best advice I could give about like 
the majority of uh, games related issues and questions that come up, the answer is honestly focus on talking to your friends. Like those are the people in the room at the end of the day, like whether it's just one person, whether it's four people, like the best thing that you can really do is sit down and like say like a, a session zero is a really incredible and powerful thing of just like sitting down and being like, hey, are we all cool? Is this what we want to do? Like, this is the premise of the game. Like, are we interested in that? Great. Like, is there anything specific within this genre of game that like we want to experience? Is there anything we don't want to experience? Mm-hmm. Like, I love games. I, I truly do. Like, I, 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 I love them a whole lot. But like, I recognize that the thing that I love about them is the person that I am playing them with or the people that I am playing them with. And like, to me, like, I think that is uh, the most important thing you can do is, like, make sure you're all on the same page. Make sure you all have a handle on, like, what the game is, what what you want out of the game, what you want to pull from the game. That is going to make, because that's going to, like, if you all agree, like, hey, we're going to play Masks. We're going to be teen superheroes. What we really want to do is explore, like, what it means to be thrust into adulthood. Like those are the, like, well, that's the theme that we're kind of into, you know, we're going to, yeah, we'd love to have a subplot where like, uh, somebody that I love is outed as a super villain. Like that would be some really good drama. You're going to create that experience that says that, that turns into the thing that you talk about 10 years later is like, oh man, we really got to get back to this game. To me, like, that's the heart of it, right? Because, like, that's also the nature of play is that we're going to sit down and, like, share something, share some things and be vulnerable and, like, play some games and and have fun together. And, like, that makes sure that we're all interested in playing the same game. I've been thinking a lot about Session Zeros recently. And I, on the show, I'm a huge proponent of them. I found the more explicit you get with your Session Zero about what you want and what you don't want, and I think even more specifically about what you do want to see, yeah, the better chance you have of having an amazing game. And the best games that I've played on this podcast and outside of it are when we have those very explicit conversations of, okay, here's what we don't want to see. Great. We know that we're not going to do any of that. Here's what we do want to see. And I, I was thinking about it the other day about comparing it to like a race where if you all start at the starting line and we say, okay, there's the finish line. And someone turned to you and said, okay, what's the race course? You could just say like, oh, we're all going to run our own ways. And then like, let's, we'll meet up at the finish line and see what happens. Or you can say, here's the course we're going to take. Let's have fun doing that together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 it's why sports have, it's why sports games have rule books. Like it is a way to ensure that everyone is playing the same game and that like everyone is in having a good time doing it. And I think I understand why some people pull against session zeros because I still feel it sometimes where it feels like you're ruining the surprise of the story. You don't want to go into a movie knowing what's going to happen, like knowing what the twist is. But I think, I think there's a little bit of that where you have to let go because if you know where it's going to be going, you're going to have so much fun getting there. And if you know what those bounds are, you're going to have a much better time having all the fun within the bounds that you've set rather than having this vast, expansive, you know, playground with no bounds, but no one around to play with because everyone's off doing their own thing. Well, and the other half of that is, like, I think that, you know, we've touched on a really good example in this conversation. Like, 
there is there are so many instances where you can map out you can you can i guess ruin one surprise but find a thousand along the way and i think yeah. like i think a 10 candles is a perfect example like you know at the outset of 10 candles they say game that says we are going to blow out these 10 candles we are going to play 10 scenes the monsters are going to gain on us and at the end of the scene at the end of the game we're dead we know that there is no world in which that is not the end of the game also you individually are going to know what your final thoughts are because you're going to record a voicemail to be played immediately before the end of the game. So you kind of know the ending of your story already. You know what like your you have that goalpost in mind, but what that also means is that like even if you're not surprised there, you know, when I've played when I have played 10 candles in the past like there are you know, so many instances where I'm like, oh, that was not where I thought we were going to go. Like, I knew where we were headed, but I had no idea what the stops were going to be along the way. Yeah. And I'll say on this show, and and I think of games I've played kind of period, the game we played of Tan Candles on this show is probably top three to top two role-playing game sessions of my life. And a lot of that is because a, as we said before, that game is extremely, extremely good at doing one thing. And we knew exactly where we were going. So all of our choices, everything that we were doing was in service of that goal. Yeah. And because we knew what the goal was, because we had discussed what we wanted to see and what we didn't want to see, and because we had chosen a game that was so specific, everything our characters did was motivated towards that one goal. So when we got to the ending, it was powerful as fuck. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And that is all for this episode of My First Dungeon. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. Can you tell everyone uh, what you're working on right now and where they can find you? Yeah, of course. I host Party of One, which is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing games. Uh, you can find that at partyofonepodcast.com. I am also a co-host of All My Fantasy Children, which is a podcast about character creation, storytelling, and world building. My best friend and I, every episode, take a listener-submitted prompt and we spin it into a fantasy character. Uh, I am also a game designer. I make games that you can find at jeffstormer.itch.io. You can find all of the things that I am working on at jeffstormer.com. Or you can uh, still find me on Twitter, provided that still exists at the time of this episode airing <laughs> at Party of One Pod. And for anyone listening to this, we mentioned a lot of games in this episode. I'm going to have all the links to all the games that we discuss, uh, as well as all of Jeff's projects in the description. So if any of these sounded good to you and you don't want to have to type them in, just scroll down to the description. You'll see all the links there. I hope I don't miss any because there was a bunch, but they're all ones I'm going to be buying soon. So I'm sure I won't forget. Uh, if you enjoyed this conversation and you want to hear just a little bit more from Jeff and me, you should head on over to the 20-sided newsletter. It's our free bi-monthly newsletter for people who like games, make games, and like making games. And in our next issue, you'll hear just a little bit more from this conversation where we talk about game design and what we've learned from good and bad games that we've played. Be sure to subscribe to this show, leave us a review to let us know that you like what we're doing. And as always, remember, if you're having fun, you're already doing it right. Bye-bye, everybody. If you're hearing this, that means you have listened to every last second of this episode, and that probably makes you a fan of this show. 
Well, if you're a fan and you like what we're doing and want to help others find it as well, then consider leaving us a five-star review over on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Getting more ratings really does help more people find the show, and reading your nice words about the things that we put out into the world makes us feel all warm and good inside, and we want more of those good, good feels. So head on over to your podcast player of choice and leave us a five-star review. Thanks.